0: Did you know that the average human spends 92,000 hours at work during their lifetime? That's more than we spend eating, cleaning, driving, watching TV, or even surfing the internet. In fact, work is what we do most. It comes second only to sleeping. Welcome to 92,000 Hours, the podcast that believes in the integration of life and work. I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb. Before we begin, I wanted to tell you a quick story about why this podcast is so personal to me. I began practicing law at age 26 and learned many valuable lessons, including that I was deeply unhappy at work. Although I was on a path that looked like traditional success, I realized that I needed to quit my job in order to align myself with my passion and purpose. Now I am dedicated to making sure all of our 92,000 hours at work are spent well, instead of simply spent? How do we construct a working world that values and accommodates our humanity? How do we construct a life that is not separate from, but fueled by, the purpose we find in our work? In this podcast, we will explore those questions and more. In each episode, I will speak to someone that demonstrates meaning, passion, and purpose in their work. Join me in discovering what happens when we bring our whole selves to our work, schools, and communities.
1: Hi, I'm Bree Stegall, producer of 92,000 Hours. Today, we have a super special episode for y'all. Today, we are joined by none other than our host of the podcast, Annalisa Holcomb. Today, she will share her lessons learned over the course of the past two seasons of 92,000 Hours, from lessons she heard from our guests To her own sense-making over the past year, we get to know her even better.
0: Hi, everyone. This is going to be a different episode of 92,000 Hours. As you know from our intro, we started this podcast because we deeply believed in the importance of spending our lives with meaning and purpose, and honoring all of those hours we spend at work. And it's now been nearly a year since we began to figure out how to configure and produce a podcast. And it has been nearly two years since I left my job at a place I loved and determined to launch Connection Collaborative. And throughout that time, boy, have I learned a lot. (laughs) And today, we thought it might be good to share the lessons that I have learned through this podcast. And I'm really excited to share them with you. So, as I sat down to think about what to say here, it made me think that I wanted to share this in maybe a few ways. And overarchingly, I would say I have four really important lessons that I've learned through this podcast. And the first lesson I've learned is that we can do hard things. And I have a lot to say about that. And I think Many of you might feel the same way. The second lesson I've learned is that things change, but the most important things will always remain. The third lesson is that wisdom is all around us. And the fourth lesson is that work is better when you do it with people that you care about. So with those four lessons in mind, I want to elaborate on them and what I've learned about them during the course of these past few years. So let's start with lesson number one, we can do hard things. I sure learned that myself Um, when two years ago I left my job at Westminster College, and that was one of the hardest things ever for me in my life. I mean, I know it sounds weird to say that leaving a job is that important to you but my goodness I realized during the time that I was determining it was time to leave my job as well as even shortly thereafter how much of my identity was wrapped up in the role that I played there and in the way that I saw myself as part of that community and uh, for me that was a really important lesson about myself and about how much I personally had wrapped myself up in being the Westminster person and how deeply held that identity was. And that I'm still trying to shake. Um, not because I don't still love Westminster, but because I am more than that. Um, I think there's a lesson there for all of us in that like there are pieces of us, that form who we are in those really pivotal times in our lives, and they shape us and they mold us and they help us really understand ourselves. And yet there are always times to move on from from those places, those relationships, those situations. And I'm wondering... um, how other people feel about that. Um, I'm wondering how we get through those moments of pivotal change um, that shape our identity and yet still remain true to our core selves as we look to who we are in into the future. I am really grateful. But gosh, when I started Connection Collaborative and thought, okay, I'm going to do this work. I'm going to take what I've learned through the stuff that really formed me and that I know is important and I know matters and turn it into something that I hope will sustain my f- me and my family. Um, I really had no idea what would happen next. And actually, the podcast started as a way for me to think about marketing the work of Connection Collaborative. But then um, working at Western Governors University came along and that was unexpected but also something I thought I could do. So (laughs) that job at WGU is hard. Um, It takes up a lot of my time. And uh, at some point, maybe I'll talk about it, but that's not the purpose of this podcast today. It's just that over the course of 2020 and going into 2021, I'm not the only one who has learned that we can do hard things. We can do really hard things. Um, And... Many of us did really, really hard things last year, whether it came to stopping a job um, like me having seven people in my house at once, bringing home my daughter who was graduating from college and had to do it on a television screen without the friends and the the people that she'd created in her own family when she'd gone off to school. Um, We're not the only ones that had that situation last year, but it was personal for all of us. Uh, Those small little milestones of our lives that didn't happen for all of us, for so many people. My husband turned 50. My stepson got his driver's license and turned 16. My oldest daughter graduated from college my youngest daughter graduated from kindergarten. We did all of those things really in isolation and as a family unit. And while it was hard, there is a part of me that is so deeply and strangely grateful for having to have been forced to remember what mattered the most. And I think that many of us did that this past year, that important need to prioritize, uh, to really remember and and put at the forefront that which is the very most important to us. And I, you know, it's interesting because over the course of these years, and and even during this podcast, we've talked a lot about priorities. We even had a whole lesson with Sylvia Castro that was about priorities. and and part of that is we talked about that big rock exercise and and we'll attach it here to this podcast. i'll I'll um, remind people of uh, what that looks like. but you know, the big rock exercise is that that part that there's a whole video of it that Stephen Covey does. And it's really famous and it's been around for a long time, but it is that, um you know that whole purpose of you if your if your life is this jar and you put in all the small things first the and he put he does a demonstration of pebbles and water and sand but you don't put in the biggest rocks first they won't fit and if you do it the opposite way and you put in the things that are the biggest rocks in your life, meaning those things that matter the most to you. If you put those in first, all the other things can fit in around it. And I think this past year really taught us that real importance of that big rocks exercise. For me, that meant prioritizing my family, that meant making sure that we, like, we prioritized and had family movie night every Friday night, um, and everyone was there. We all showed up. We all participated, even if Jake, <laughs> my stepson, probably would have not preferred to watch the movie that my six-year-old at the time picked, but he showed up, and he sat through the whole movie. And he chatted and we were there for each other as a family in ways that in other times we may not have prioritized. And I think for me, I just really hope that knowing that we got through those hard times, that we will continue to do that. I think the same thing about the uh, racial reckoning that we're having in the U S today and all over the world, actually. But, um, I'm recording this just about not quite a week after the one year anniversary of the George Floyd murder. And, um, while we have come some way, there's still so much to do. And, um, It's another one of those places and thoughts that if we don't push ourselves to continue to really understand and really um, do hard things, we won't accomplish what the moment asked of us. And it's one of the things I worry about a lot actually, is that we as a society let these things get away from us and don't focus on the big rocks. We don't take the time like we do when the, when the pain is more acute. We put a Band-Aid on it and move on. And um, one of the things that happened in this podcast, one of the most incredible memorable moments for me happened a long time before what was happening in our society with the George Floyd murder and I I can't help but bring it up because I originally recorded these episodes in the summer of 2019 at least season one all of season one was recorded that summer and I had that We we focused on vulnerability with our guest, Jim Carter. And in that time and in that discussion, um, there's this response when I asked him about vulnerability in our national discourse. And now remember, this is before almost an entire year before the George Floyd murder. And I wrote down what he said because, wow, what a lesson learned. Um, This is what this is what jim carter said hate is virulent but caring empathy and compassion are just as contagious they're just not as fast spreading as i wrote that day that comment will carry me that is so important that hate is virulent but caring empathy compassion are also contagious they just don't spread as fast How he said that, used even that language about contagion that happened six, seven full months before the um, outbreak of the COVID-19 pandemic. I mean, wow, right? I mean, wow. Uh, He said that. And then in that moment, because we were all in person still, um, my producer, Bree, was with us and she said, wait a minute though, can I ask this question? Privilege itself may play a role in offering that kind of compassion. You have privilege and so therefore you can offer that kind of compassion. And then Jim's comment a full year before our summer of racial reckoning said, how we treat each other as a diverse society is one of the most important things that we must come to grips with. Sometimes there are battles that need to be won. The fact that Jim said that, I remember that he said, like, I have the answer. And at the time that I listened to it, when we were producing the podcast almost a year later, and he said, I have the answer. And the answer is, sometimes there are battles that need to be won. Just gives me goosebumps. But it's also so important because he knew this a year before. We knew a year before that there are battles that need to be won. But we weren't prioritizing and doing the thing that is really hard because it's really hard. And that's the thing I worry about, that if we don't continue to do that, if we band-aid over this kind of pain that our society has been in, then it will just keep happening and we won't get there. Um, if we continue to do that about the way that we care for each other, the way that we see each other in this pandemic, that'll be, that'll continue. So my, my idea that, um, we can do hard things is real. Um, it was a hard year, but boy, uh, watching my six year old who then turned seven during the course of the year, uh, go through school Online, And while I know we mourn the opportunity for our children to be together, my child also thrived in that environment in that not having the distraction of the social life of school around her meant that she really focused on the learning. And during that first grade year when reading is so important, she... Blossomed as a reader, she blossomed with her language, and um, and has really been able to come out of her shell in terms of her ability to learn. Now she probably has a lot more work to do now as a result because she didn't have as much opportunity to socialize. But I guess, given that trade off, I'm really grateful that she had this opportunity to learn and boy, am I grateful that I had an opportunity to watch her and to see what it looks like when my kid learns in, although it's an online classroom environment, it was a classroom environment. I got this chance to see her teacher and to see, wow, the care that our teachers give to our children. I think so many of us, saw that. I hope that we use this time to continue to recognize the people that do the hard things on a regular basis and that we will honor them. And as I say it, I almost know that we won't, but if I could use any bit of this bully pulpit, which is not really a bully pulpit, but whatever, if I could just encourage us to Continue to take those moments, to say nice things, to, to give a note to your post, post person that comes and delivers your mail. I mean, just to be nice and provide grace to the checkout person at the grocery store. <sighs> I hope we'll remember that as we move on and know that we can do hard things. The other lesson I learned is that things change. Things change all the time. And I remember going to this uh, event a long time ago where um, a leadership guru (laughs) was talking about um, organizational change and there were CEOs and um, heads of HR in the room. And he asked questions to the people about like, do you believe that your employees fear change? And they all raised their hand, yes, people hate change. And so he then said, "All right, everybody put your hands down. How many of you changed your hair, got a significant haircut this past year? Uh, how many of you went on a vacation to some place you've never been before? How many of you moved? How many of you got a new car? How many of you um, redid your landscaping? How many of you had a child? How many of you started a new relationship? How many of you got a divorce? Uh, people raised their hands all all throughout it and he said those that's that's change and you chose it people are not afraid of change people actually pursue it throughout our lives what we do struggle with is how to manage that change in all areas of our lives and so and we and we cast blame um I think it's important for us to think about the fact that, yeah, things change. Things changed a lot for me and for my family, for my work over the course of these past two years. What a lesson. But I do know that the important things remained. Um, the things that I count on. I had to work at keeping relationships that mattered to me. And those ones that mattered a little less, that were a little more tangential, they they floated away, um, and that's hard. But when you keep those those things in your life, those relationships in your life that are the most important, then um, you can get through all the change. and And I guess for me, the how do we know what is important? Um, we do a whole values exercise in Connection Collaborative and throughout the work that we've done with our coaching, uh, where we actually use that values lesson and we'll also provide a link to how to do that values lesson as well which is we really need to identify our own values in order to get through change in order to get through those tough times it's really important that we have the understanding of ourselves and what we value to be able to guide us through that change for me those values, when I've gone through and done the values exercise, which I would encourage you all to go online and do this with us, which we have given a bunch of um, words on a paper. You go through those words as a way to help you get to what your values are and you just put them into piles. This is this value is important to me. This one's not as important to me. This one's a little bit important to me. If you put them into those three stacks and then you go back and take The biggest, the first stack. these values are important to me and narrow them down. We, through that values exercise, we first have people narrow them down to the top 10 values, then we get down to the top five values, and then we narrow it down even more to the top three values. And through the process of elimination, it really requires us to, to identify and define for ourselves what those values mean. Because they may mean different things to different people. For me, that value of of wisdom is really important. And it's changed for me over time. At the beginning, I really had knowledge as as my value. And before that, I even had intellect. But I've morphed that into wisdom. And I define it myself in my own way about how wisdom is part of all of the lessons I've learned, whether they are from the lessons I've learned in school, the lessons I've learned at work, the lessons I've learned as a parent, the lessons I've learned through other people. Um, There's so many ways to really become wise and, um, and I value all of those different ways in ways that I hadn't done um, until I got a little older. I just want to encourage people that are listening to this to do that values exercise because it will help us. And I think that while things have changed over the course of, especially this past year, and for me over the course of the past two years, um, I have enjoyed watching people um, embrace our families or embrace our faith, uh, embrace learning or self-care, or whatever it was, the thing that you value that you needed um, I think that the pandemic itself really encouraged people to to get clear on what we valued and what we needed in our lives and then to provide that. So um, I also was really encouraged that the people used the pandemic as a way to talk to other people about what was important in their lives I just had a conversation last night with a friend who was telling me about her work as a teacher and how she's going to miss those opportunities that she has had when she was on zoom calls with little elementary school kids who would ask her to take the last 10 minutes of class and go on a tour of their house with her so that they could, so that she could see what it was that they valued in their lives. And um, that's the thing that I think will be missed for all of us teachers seeing their students' homes and sharing who we are. And each of us on those calls that we were in, if we had the privilege of being on those calls, of seeing how other people pet their dogs or their cats during the course of the day, or how they smiled at their children or kissed their significant others goodbye. Um, there was real joy for me in seeing other people be fully human. And that shouldn't come as a surprise because I talk about it all the time on this podcast. But watching things change, but watching what really is what other people value has made me feel much more connected to everyone because we got to watch each other in our full humanity more. Um, I've read recently that more people might leave their jobs this year because they'll want this type of engagement to continue, this this ability to prioritize what ha- matters the most in our lives. Um, I hope that employers will see that and understand it. And I'm going to work to do that in my in my day job, um, and definitely in the rest of my life. And I think that, I've certainly seen that. Um, we've learned, right, that during the course of the pandemic, that the things that employers thought they had to do or that we or that employers would tell people were was unacceptable or unable, like, working remotely, or taking time in the middle of the day to do something for your child, but finishing your work at seven pm um Not traveling for meetings, but actually being able to conduct things uh, in over the telephone or via computer. Uh, There are things that we have learned about our ability to be more accommodating that will be really important for us to continue. I remember years ago, I had an employee who actually I work with now on this podcast um, who wanted to work remotely and travel the world in her 20s. And the employer we both worked for said that was an impossibility. And I was inclined to do it. But I, but people, even people on our team at the time said, you can't let someone uh, not be physically present or else they won't really be present at all in the job. It's not fair. And now, two years later, a little more than two years later, as I'm hiring a team, it occur- It does not matter to me where the person lives. I don't need people to have to move to Utah to work with me in the roles that I have for my company that I'm running because I just want the best people for the job. And if their lives mean that they want to continue to live in whatever state they live in, because that's where their kids are, and that's where they go to school, or that's where their parents are, or that's where they're from, or that's where they love, then I want to honor that uh, so that they can get the job done that they need to get done. And if sometimes they need to fly in to see me, or vice versa, we can do that. Uh, I love the way that we've embrace that kind of change or at least some of us have and I think that our ability to accommodate each other in our full wholeness is really really important I've also loved that like as I said before the ability for us to see each other as whole people I have had these conversations (laughs) during the course of this pandemic where I'm working all day on um zoom calls and my mom, who's elderly, lives with me, and she walks up and down the stairs behind me during the course of a day. And if she's in, I joke that if she's in her robe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon and walks through <laughs> my, the, the periphery of the call I'm on, and I'm on a call with a big foundation, I'll just tell them, you know, this is what it looks like. Uh, my mom has lived a good life. She's put up with a lot And at this age, if she wants to walk around in her robe at 2 o'clock in the afternoon while I'm at work, she can. And the people that I talk to, when we say those honest things like, my mom earned this, and I'm not going to stop her, uh, they seem to really understand because they would feel the same way about their moms. Anyway, I think that's uh, part of the learning that I've had over the course of this year. Things change. They really change. I can't imagine that two years ago, I would have found myself even having conversations like, like this, and even talking about these things, but I sure have. If this conversation has caught your attention, and you want to join in on conversations like this, check out our website at connectioncollaborative.com.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to 92,000 Hours, and this is our special Lessons Learned episode with our host, Annalisa Holcomb.
0: So, my third big lesson is that wisdom is all around us. Boy, through this podcast, I have learned so many great lessons. I know that I have some some listeners who really listen, who look forward to our new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. And I know that we also have people who've listened to maybe one episode or maybe another, or were distracted while they were listening and didn't really hear it, and today... I want to emphasize some of those incredible lessons that we have learned. Um, It is amazing. (laughs) So let's dive into it. Our very first episode of this podcast was um, about privilege, and the speaker was Wendy Anderton. And so let's be real My very first interview that I ever did, and you can tell when you go back and listen to it, I did early in the summer of 2019, and it was with Wendy, and she is my sister. She lives in a different state, but she had come to Utah for a conference, and I went to her hotel room and recorded her, and it was so much fun. It's clear when you listen to it that we were really definitely learning how to produce and publish a podcast, but it was also Really interesting to see my sister in her professional demeanor, and I learned so much. So, with regard to learnings from Wendy, I was floored by her willingness to make being a domestic violence su- survivor part of her leadership platform. I think it is incredibly powerful. I think the fact that she shares that as part of her bio and does so purposefully is not only owning her own story but allowing other women to see her leadership knowing that she'd been through what she'd been through as an opportunity for them to see themselves there as well and to provide hope um i just i am i've never seen anybody have that kind of vulnerability and courage right off the bat and um I'm incredibly moved by it and really proud of her. Um, she made a statement about her resilience and her quote was, nothing is fatal until it is. And um, I think she's right, right? We are resilient people and we can get through things that we never thought we could get through. And to know that we can and that We're inherently resilient is so important. I also think, and I wasn't even going to say this out loud, but I'm going to out you on this, Wendy. But you were, Wendy was our only guest, I think, um, that doesn't have a college degree. She was our first guest. And I also think that she's arguably one of the most eloquent and thoughtful of our guests And I want to say that out loud on purpose because we make these assumptions about individuals, about our intellect, about our wisdom, about what we have to say um, based upon things like a bachelor's degree. And if if you go back and listen to episode one of season one, you'll see that you don't need to have a bachelor's degree to have something important to say and to be able to say it with grace and with int- with intellectual capacity and wendy proved that to uh, everyone and um i'm really grateful and i can't help but also remind you the things that we talked about se- in season two which are amazing we talked to shambi Polychronis about resilience and she said as a faculty member that her own students have taught her that it's okay to be sad and that we don't have to apologize for having a personal crisis it's okay to not be okay Um, But it's also important for us to remember that people can't offload being human when they walk into a meeting at work. Um, And we need to create space at work to hold each other accountable. And that by holding each other accountable, we actually can create resilience and resilient behavior by behaving in that way at work. So, um, boy, If you have a chance to go back and listen to her talk about teams being a communal experience, um, how resilient teams don't blame, how resilient teams take responsibility for finding solutions, I encourage people who are thinking about resilience, not just as individual people, but as teams and colleagues at work to listen to Shambi's episode. So when I look back at wisdom, And it being all around us, even though I didn't really plan it this way, the compliment that one of uh, one of our listeners gave me um, is really real. Uh, One of our listeners told me that the authenticity of the conversations that I was having on this podcast with people was something really special and that I have really cool and very interesting friends Um. I think all of that is true. I do have really cool and very interesting friends. But the thing I also learned during the course of this is that we all do. The people that we interviewed, unlike other podcasts, these people are not paid individuals who speak about things like empathy or vulnerability or love or courage or communication or Uh, resilience. These are people who are real people who I have had the pleasure of meeting during my life. And they're not paid to be smart, but they are wise. And I just think what it shows us is that people that I know, and that also means people that you know, are really wise and that there is wisdom all around us. If we're just willing to sit down and relax, and ask each other those questions. And I am so grateful that what really is my awkwardness, my inability to have a light conversation with anybody about, you know, the weather or a sports team has led me to be in a place where I can comfortably and honestly ask people about What really matters to them and and to have those really more deep and more vulnerable and more compassionate conversations is something really important to me. So lesson four, work is better when you care about the people. Oh, man, I just want to say that I've had the immense pleasure of working with two individuals on this podcast who I love one of them is Lexi Banks and Lexi and I used to work together years ago and I first met her when she was a freshman in college and uh, I in fact still remember the interview with her and my thought that like this was my first employee that was going to work with me in this new job I had and um, gosh I got to work with her for years and watch her grow into her full self and to know that now I get to work with her more as a colleague where she teaches me things all of the time and to get to see her become her full self, traveling the world, being a, a, a woman of great intellect and humor and resilience, um, gosh, it's the most amazing opportunity. Uh, and I am This is one of the things that I'm the most grateful for. And second, the ability to work with Bree Stegall, who is my kid. And who I get to work with her in a professional capacity. um, And to be able to see the, the capabilities that she has learned over the course of her adult life is just about the biggest joy. To be able to engage with her in a way that is not as a mom, but as a colleague who relies on her professionalism is one of the greatest joys of my life. Working with people that you care about is so important. And being able to love the people that you work with and see them as whole people on their own terms has been incredibly important. I also learned during the course of this that, you know, Last fall, um, one of my own team members on my day job, uh, when asked to give feedback on me, actually complained about this podcast. I don't know who the person was because it was anonymous, but they complained that I took up time on weekends doing this. And I really struggled it was a big identity crisis that i had last fall about this and i found it really personally hurtful and that i hadn't been seen not truly seen i'd been put into a into a bucket of what i a boss or a colleague was supposed to look like and i didn't fit that and knowing that and how i've struggled with this role of being a leader over this past year and feeling like I had been put into a particular box has been one of my bigger struggles. Um, It's been something that I want to keep working on because I also think it's important, not just for the leader of the organization, to care about the people as whole people, but that the people that work for the leaders see the leaders as whole people too. One of the ways I'm working on that is truly using what I learned from that gratitude uh, episode about keeping a gratitude journal and reminding myself every day of what I love about my job and about what I love about each of the individuals that I work with so that I can remember what matters the most is that there are good people doing good work that I have the honor of working with, both at 92,000 hours and in other parts of my life. And that's one of my big lessons, too. So those are my four big lessons that I learned during the course of this year. I hope that they were worth it for you. I also uh, was encouraged to provide some of my own answers. And you guys know that I always ask my first big question of, if I were to remove everything, right, um, work, school, volunteerism, etc what would I be most proud of? Uh, and... My own answers, boy, am I proud of this. I am so proud of this 92,000 Hours podcast. I think that we've put something really good out into the world. I really think that, like I said before, my awkwardness at making small talk is actually my superpower. And that I have this ability to get to the soul and the essence and the wisdom of people that I know. And that I encourage you all to exercise that superpower of just asking questions and, and meeting people with curiosity. Um, it has resulted in something really beautiful.
1: Thank you to our host and my mom, Annalisa. As the staff of Connection Collaborative, we've all been pretty vulnerable over the past year, and we learned that we need these kinds of conversations. We want to thank each of you for listening. We hope you have learned as much from our guests as we have. At the time of this recording, we are closing in on 2,000 downloads, and we plan to keep doing this. However, we will be taking a hiatus for the summer as we plan our next interviews and work on our blog posts. Look for more episodes in September 2021. In season three, we are planning more opportunities for interactive content. From live Q&A with our guests to more speaking engagements, facilitation and coaching, We will continue to do our best to help you be intentional about your own life and help you make sure your 92,000 hours are spent well rather than simply spent. Happy summer and we hope you all tune in again in a few months. Thank you.
0: Hours is made possible by Connection Collaborative. This episode was produced and edited by Brianna Stegall. Flexi Banks is our marketing director, and I'm your host, Annalisa Holcomb.